Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and this is episode 65. Therefore, we dedicate this episode to Eric Carlson. Uh, pretty sure he wears 65. Um, I'm going to be flying solo again. Some of the other people involved with the podcast, they aren't quite ready to uh, record for a number of reasons, so um, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, I am sick, as you might or might not be able to tell, uh, which sucks. Uh, last time I recorded, I thought I was sick, but I actually had a dislocated rib, making it hard to breathe, so that also sucked, um, but it's time to put out some content, it's time to put out some ideas, uh, try and have a little bit different take on things than what you're getting maybe everywhere else. And uh, yeah, so that's it. So uh, gonna be going solo, like I said again. Gonna get to a bunch of different things. Some stories are a little bit older now, like talking a bit about training camp and the prospects that we saw there. Um, but obviously, a couple more current things: uh, Brian Little and Bullu's injuries. Um, we'll talk about Buff's future. We're gonna kind of talk about what the Line and Connor contracts mean. And now that we're actually playing hockey games, we could talk about the actual lineups and the actual players in the lineup and if it's good or bad or which parts are good and bad and um, who should be there and who shouldn't be, maybe. I don't know. Uh, some of those things. Um, let's see what else. Uh, talk about the, specifically about Niku a little bit. I think that's an interesting situation. And... Um, yeah, I, there, there's a couple other things. I'm not going to get to it all right now. Just saying it. We'll just uh, get to the episode and get to them as we do. So a couple different things. Hope you enjoy it. Here it goes. All right. Well, we might as well get into it here. So I'm going to start off with, i uh, going to bounce around a little bit here, but start off with predictions. People seem to love this stuff. Talk about uh, season previews and whatnot. So here's uh, my quick hit on Line A, Connor, and Shifley, seeing they're all the major goal scorers uh, for the Jets. I'm going to make predictions on all of them. I'm going to say that Liney gets 38, and Shifley and Connor both both get 33, and Ehlers gets his number, 27. There we go. I'll throw him in there, too. Standings, uh, going to go in the Central, Dallas, Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, Winnipeg 5th, fighting for a wildcard spot. That seems to be uh, a popular sentiment, uh, not not the rest of uh, the standing uh, predictions, but as far as Winnipeg being a little bit further down, I think most people are recognizing that that's going to be somewhat close to the case. Uh, I mean, uh, you can be more hopeful if you like, but over 82 games, that should average out to what teams actually are. So uh, feeling like that's not a bad prediction, it's not uh, a mean one but it seems pretty uh, consistent with what a lot of people think that the Jets are going to achieve this year. So uh, hopefully they could obviously get into the playoffs. Once you're there, once you're in the dance, I mean, all bets are off. Who see, uh, then you can see if you can get hot at the right time, get a goalie hot at the right time, be peaking. So uh, I guess at first they, they got to get there, and uh, I think they're capable of getting there for sure, but um, I guess we'll see. So there's my little predictions. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the, the Central Division. I mean, there's lots of other places where you could read about that and the teams that are in it and how good they are. It looks like a lot of them have retooled a little bit and gotten better. The Jets, I mean, the offensive uh, core of the Jets is, is quite strong, but uh, defense is going to be the story going forward for sure, especially with some injuries and with uh, Buff out. I mean, Bolu's injured, Niku's injured. Will Niku play? Who knows? And Buff, uh, what does his future look like? I mean, is obviously part of the story. But anyway, I want to move away from that right now. Talk about Line and Connor's contracts. Uh, some people didn't like them. They thought they were too high. I don't really know what people expected. Those seem in line with uh, probably what I would expect. 
uh, to see. I said Connor seven by seven. Uh, the the disappointing thing is these contract numbers seem pretty obvious what they would ask and what they would settle at to me that uh, I'm just not sure why it took so long. Uh, I, I'm not sure what the strategy was there from the team side or the players side, but it didn't really seem like it was really worth it to have the players miss training camp to fight over what was Connor 7.14. And again, most people probably would have predicted a seven by seven. That would have made sense. So I'm, I'm not really sure what the, the last little bit of arguing was over. Although the Jets, you know, uh, with Buff coming, if, if and when Buff comes back, um, we'll be close to the cap. So I guess every penny counts, but uh, didn't really seem like that was that necessary to, to spend that long. So um, I will say this. I had a little conspiracy theory about uh, Connor's contract, and uh, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but the idea wasn't actually mine to begin with, saying that maybe Connor's deal was somewhat agreed to in... Um, uh, not in theory. Um, yeah, it, it, this sort of it was. There was an understanding of exactly what his contract was going to be, but they the Jets on purpose didn't close it off so they could uh, kind of leave the lining thing open and and wait to see to close that off, uh, close that deal so he wouldn't get off or sheeted or or whatever. So that was not my idea. I actually think it was a pretty plausible idea, but the way that Connor ended up signing afterwards, I don't think that was the case in the end anyhow. But uh, got a lot of flack for suggesting that maybe uh, NHL GMs would think outside of the box a little bit there. So uh, it wasn't nearly as crazy as an of an idea as people thought, but that isn't actually what transpired. So um, uh, let's see. Oh, and then I want to defend Line's ask. Um, my point, I was having a conversation online with my cousin Jeff, who listens to this. Hey, Jeff. I tried to actually get him on the podcast. We were going to talk about it. AAV goes up over years. My whole point was at the bridge and at their lower parts of the uh, contract that the money becomes a bit more contentious because if you're talking seven years at seven million or six years at seven point three, I mean, it's it's a term that's the big thing once you get these contracts that are a bit longer. I was trying to defend Line's asking price, even though it seemed a bit high. But if we're talking a seven year versus an eight year contract or, or whatnot, and uh, the, the difference is 250,000 or 500,000 different a year, it's not that big of a deal because it's more about the term because if you get that extra year, you're talking an extra $7 million, right? So I think at the earlier parts, I mean, a, a one year a deal for an RFA, just uh, obviously you're going to set it so your qualifying offer would be uh, higher. So if Lining were to get a one-year deal, hypothetically, he probably would ask for 7.5 because that's what he's going to get for a qualifying offer in two years. So um, I'm uh, so I don't think he's settling at you know six seven five for one year because then basically he's at the exact same point as he he would be this year. So um, but then the, those two and three year bridges, uh, that's where it got a little contentious, and I was just saying. Line A is probably fighting over the money a little bit more with the shorter years. Um, so the AAV isn't going to rise at the exact same pace or, or whatnot over two and three and, and four years. It's a, the, the one year is sort of alone. Once you get to four years, that's, we're talking a bit of a longer term contract. At two and three, seems like the money is the real issue um, kind of going forward. And it's less about the term. So the rising AAV um, is not, I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. It feels like it's not as clear as people make it out to be, the way that it rises. So I was defending Liney asking for more money because uh, he's taking that short-term kind of betting on himself. And, I mean, if he duffs it the next two years or has injury, I mean, that's that's a risk. And then if you sign long-term, right, there's some guarantees there. So uh, player, players do that. Anyhow, 
but yes, uh, contracts tend to rise in AAV the longer that they are. I can admit that. I'm not dumb. Um, now I want to get on to something that Tony, a friend of the show, he talked about some strategy ideas that's a little bit different. Some of you may notice, and, and Maurice has talked about it too, and I know that um, uh, Murat has talked about it as well, and, and others in, in media have mentioned it. But uh, just that the style is going to be a little bit different. Kind of wish the Jets would have played this style before. I'm not sure if it would have worked better with the personnel that we had or not. But they're trying to attack guys at the blue line. So I'm just going to read Tony's thread here. And uh, you can uh, have a little bit to think about and a bit more to uh, look for when you're watching the Jets this season. So he says, so here's my thoughts on the Winnipeg Jets for 2019-20 season. Let's start by saying I'm more optimistic about the Jets being a better shot and expected goal share team this season than last season. Uh, that said, they're not as talented as last year, certainly on the defensive end. And I think um, uh, they missed the playoffs. Oh, Tony, they missed the playoffs. <laughs> uh, they will be close, but at the end of the day, I think goaltending lets them down. As I think that's a fair, fair statement or a fair chance of that happening. Now, last year, while the team was very talented, it seemed like the coaching staff feared the speed. Uh, from what I observed, it looked like the Jets thought their decor wasn't fast enough to handle a lot of teams, so they used larger gaps and long sticks, quote-unquote, to defend. Already during preseason, we've seen a much more mobile decor that is defending at the blue line and making controlled entries much harder for opposing teams. The coaches, uh, the Jets coaching staff seem to realize that this team needs to focus on trying not to defend. <laughs> and get it out quick, it's kind of funny. Yeah, not to defend, exactly. Get out of our end quicker, because um, we're not going to be very good when we get hemmed in. Uh, rather than trying to set up defending well, the team will not be good at defending in the D zone, but can really uh, can be really good at their ability to not def- uh, sorry, uh, at their ability to not be defending in the D zone. Uh, the 2015-16 Pens were really good at this. I think the organization is starting to realize what kind of team they have. And from what I've seen in the preseason and practices are trying to play a style that's better suited to the talent. Uh, Pomo is still Pomo. So some of his personal choices will drive me crazy and his line combos will continue to confuse. But I do look forward to watching a more high-tempo Jets play this season, which is... Uh, uh, sorry. Um... So here is to hoping the goaltending holds because this team could be fun. And this is actually something that people have been asking the Jets to do for a while with the, the talent that they have up front. Um, playing a bit more high tempo speed seems to suit it. But now that we've lost that talent on the back and now it looks like they are adjusting um, not a little too late because I think it will maybe suit the smaller, less talented decor that we do have. Um, but, uh, I guess it remains to be seen if this will be the best option. Well, I think this is the better option for this, this group that we currently have, but it, it would have been fun to see them do something like this, a bit more high tempo speed, uh, get out of our end nice and quick. Don't even be in our end at all. Uh, pressure a little bit more. Um, yeah, it would have been nice to see that the, the last, uh, uh, last year for sure. I mean, two years ago, obviously the jets went on a heater that was, uh, going to go down in history as the best, uh, you know, Winnipeg NHL season ever. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, uh, Tony's right. And this continues. I mean, the preseason, they weren't playing with all their best personnel. So, uh, tonight it starts against the New York Rangers and we'll see if they can, can do that and do it well. I want to mention Brian Little and uh, Bullu's injuries. Uh, sorry, moving along here. Thanks, Tony, for your, your input. Not that he gave it to the podcast, but he's a friend and I think he'll appreciate reading that. Um, but uh, moving on to Brian Little and Bullu's injuries. Uh, I find them a little bit interesting because people talk about, uh, obviously, Hainola getting into the lineup and Gustafsson um, sort of making the team, quote unquote, and they both got their real NHL numbers. I'm really curious to know if Brian Little was healthy and if uh, Bolu is healthy and let's say Niku healthy as well, if we 
we see Heinola and and uh, Gustafsson. So for all the cheering that they made the team, this definitely and and they should. I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. But there's other players that should be out of the lineup if Brian Little, uh, if and when Brian Little and Bolu return. Uh, and it's not Heinola or Gustafsson, uh, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion. So it feels like a reactive move, not a, yay, success, the Jets have uh, really progressed and they're giving young guys a chance. It seems definitely reactionary, more than proactive, but a re- reaction in a good way. I mean, they had to make a decision, but uh, I don't think of it too much like the Maurice's all of a sudden very forward-thinking and definitely on board with giving, you know, 18-year-olds a chance. Especially, I mean, in, in game one here, at least so far, Gustafsson is uh, not slotted to to be playing, so um, doesn't seem like he trusted him that much. And f- instead, we got, uh, who is it, uh, Latestu and Bork, and who's the other forward I'm, uh, is escaping me that's on the fourth line with... Um, uh, no, no, maybe that's it. Maybe those are the two I'm thinking of. I'm, I'm getting confused with some of the D people. I don't know. There might be another forward in there too, but uh, Gustafsson should definitely be playing ahead of uh, those two at least that I mentioned. So um, I just think that's an interesting kind of look at it. To, uh, some, some people are reading too much positivity into it, and I know that sounds terrible because I'm sure we get accused on the podcast here of being negative all the time. But I mean, realistically, what what does it actually mean? That's, I guess, maybe what I'm uh, trying to get at here. So, um, Hainola, though, for his efforts, has been amazing. He's been really, really good. Um, but now this decor uh, with him in it, I I mean, the Jets knew that they got a good player. I think the scouting reports on him were good. Uh, you know, they got their own pick back in that, that Hayes trade. Uh, or, um, yeah, they got their own pick back. Um, in the Truba trade, sorry, that they gave up in the Hayes trade and got Hainola, but I don't think they ever imagined that he would be as good as he is and potentially ready to be in the NHL. So it raises a question as far as what the uh, the plan was this offseason. I feel like the Bufflin situation probably is something the team was aware of uh, before the summer started. I don't want to actually get into details about um, exactly what that is or why I would think that, but this feels like a long time coming. Um, for a number of reasons, but, uh, losing Truba and knowing that Bufflin is maybe, uh, thinking of hanging, hanging them up or whatever he's thinking exactly. And then the only signings for the replacements is obviously Pionk in the, the return and the potato signing. I mean, yeah, the Heinola might be a beautiful surprise, but that wasn't part of the plan. Right. And Dahlstrom certainly wasn't part of the plan. That was probably more of a reaction to the Niku kind of missing so much training camp and the injury. So Boteto and Pionk for Bufflin and Truba. That was the plan all along, it seems. Not really, but uh, I mean, there's been people pushing for uh, the Jets to go after Honka and also better players than Dahlstrom that uh, they left on the waiver wire. So this uh, pro scouting group here uh, and their defensive um, defenseman. Um, evaluations seems really really out to lunch and uh, I, I guess this is where the disconnect is a little bit if and I'm just saying this to people that are more uh, quote-unquote positive about the team if if Maurice is a b-plus coach right if you like him you say he's good he's good at talking he's got good ideas he's got lots of experience and if and if Chevy is some sort of uh, you know, contract wizard and also a drafting king. And uh, so he's a B plus, uh, B plus uh, general manager. If you have C plus results with a B plus coach and a B plus 
uh, general manager, something there has got to give because either the players that we're getting aren't good enough and that's on the general manager or the players aren't being deployed well enough or coached well enough or have systems that suit them or whatever it is, then the coach isn't good enough. So this season will be very interesting because I think a lot of people are still very high on Shevel Day Off. I'm not as high. Uh, I'll give them a B. Okay, and uh, definitely I'm not as high on Maurice. I'd give him a C. Uh, but for people that are high on both of them, the question begs to be asked, or begs to be asked: um, If the team fails, whose fault is it? It can't just be the players. It can't be the one guy who, after 360 man minutes a game, you know, plays 15 minutes. It can't be that guy's fault. I mean, I, I suppose the one player that you can always find fault in and, and blame somehow is usually a goalie, right? But I mean, if that's even the case, if the Jets' uh, goaltending depth isn't uh, good enough, or Brossois, you know, isn't the guy. I mean, goalies are voodoo. We all know that they're 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 kind of voodoo. So that's a hard one. Um, uh, but yeah, again, if uh, I don't know if you could blame it on individual players, that's pretty hard, especially when the coach is the one that picks their line mates, picks the systems, picks their time on ice, everything like that. So if the Jets really, or if the team really is. Uh, you know, an average of B plus talent and a B plus uh, GM and a B plus coach. I think results that are basically being a bubble team or, uh, you know, just out of the playoffs or just squeak in. Um, I don't think that's good enough, honestly. And, the, and this decor, I think, is going to be the thing that exposes the team and shows that what was done in the offseason was clearly not good enough on the defensive end. I mean, the contracts are fine. I never really worried ever for a second about Connor and Line A signing. They, they were always signing. I mean, there are a phase. Uh, maybe Connor got offer sheeted. He wouldn't say. I don't think Line A was asked the same question. But um, I think they're pretty much always going to be Jets. Um, I didn't. I didn't have too much uh, concern. And then the forward depth. I mean, looks all right. I mean, the the adding of Latestu and and Bork and uh, again whoever the heck the other person is. I can't think of right now. Um, it doesn't seem that great, but if that's just guys on the fourth line, that's not great. I mean, uh, sorry, I know I'm skipping around here a little bit, but Roslovic on the fourth line, when he's already talked about um, through his old agent, I suppose, or, or well, it, was, it was somebody else that leaked it, that said that he was really unhappy with his fourth line role, um, I, plugging him there again and moving Bork up the lineup, uh, just some random guy that you found on waivers that's easily replaceable. Seems, again, another questionable decision. And I'll kind of get into to lineups a bit. But um, anyhow, uh, I, I like I said, I jumped around. The, my, my bullet point here was talking about Hainola. Yeah, he's really, really good. But him being this good and being in the NHL wasn't the plan. What the heck was the plan, right? Was the plan always that Kulikov would be a first line right side D? Because that's insanity. I mean, we tried it last year. Maurice tried it last year turning Myers into a left side D on the second pair. And that lasted uh, the preseason and maybe a couple games into the season when he, but then realized that was a, a huge disaster. And this looks like another one waiting to come. The The Kulikov buyout should have happened, uh, confused as to why it didn't. Although uh, Murat had mentioned that the Jets seemed all in on Kulikov once uh, Sherat went and signed somewhere else. So, I mean, this is all obviously inter interconnected and related, but... Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's all I'm going to say about the D stuff. I, I think you all get it. Uh, although I will talk about Niku. Um, some people think that once everyone is healthy, we've heard this from Maurice last year, uh, Niku played well enough that when everyone is healthy, 
that uh, maybe he'll he won't come out of the lineup. I don't actually believe that yet. Uh, he played thirty games in the. Uh, I know some of you heard me say this before. Thirty games last year in the NHL and twenty in the AHL. I might have it backwards. Um, and then basically sat for about thirty games last year. And he didn't have a great year last year, but he is the youngest of the defensemen. Uh, pretty sure. I don't think Dahlstrom's uh, younger than he, he is. Uh, he has the least experience. Um, he's been shown the least amount of trust so far, although Dahlstrom, obviously, we haven't seen anything uh, from yet. But um, I, I'm not convinced that when everybody's healthy that Niku's not just in the press box. So I think everyone's getting a little ahead of themselves. Maurice has talked probably higher about Potato than he has about Niku, even though he said some nice things about Niku, but um, I don't know if he's ever been known for trashing players. So uh, saying nice things about a player isn't the same as, uh, that's just paying lip service. That's way different than giving them the ice time that they probably deserve. And maybe, 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 if Bufflin was uh, uh, playing, maybe Niku is on that second pair. But right now, honestly, the way that Maurice has played that second pair with Buff, it's way, it looks way more likely that bull, a healthy Bullyu is on that second pair than a healthy Niku. And I don't know how anybody can say that that's not the case because that's exactly how it's played out with uh, uh, Morrill being on that second pair and Sharat being on that second pair and uh, uh, Kulikov, I think, for a little bit too with Buff. I mean, those that ilk of player is much closer. Bullyu is much closer to that ilk of player than, than Niku is. So I'm not convinced Niku is a top six defenseman on this team. I mean, I'm convinced that he is. I'm not convinced that Maurice plays him like he is. So, and you'll probably, the argument will be, uh, he's good enough to play in the top four. There's just no room for him in the top four. So he gets benched, Pullman and, you know, uh, Kulikov, maybe eventually, or whoever. Botet will play on that, that third pair for a long time. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what y'all think about that. Um, anyhow, uh, to a bit of training camp, uh, Gustafson really impressed, made the team. Like I said, I already commented on that. Hopefully we get to see some games out of him. Some NHL games, uh, really liked him. Uh, Veselainen was a huge disappointment. Um, I mean, he got a little bit better at the end there, but I don't know if anybody else has a read on it. I was so high on him. Uh, but this last little bit did not look good. He looked, uh, confused and uninterested and just, I don't know if confused is a, the, the right word, just sort of, mm, uh, yeah, uh, not fully there, not uh, not at his best. So I'm not sure if this is a kid. I don't know if he doesn't want to be in Winnipeg or if we all overstated how good he was and he's really not that good or if he just needs a bit of time. I mean, and, and that's fair, but given what he's kind of shown before, you, you kind of thought that we we didn't need to see a whole bunch more. We kind of knew that he'd be good, but he certainly didn't show as much as uh, Gustafson has. So I guess it's nice that he made the team, but uh, I'll argue that Veselainen already has his NHL number. He's probably sticking with 93. So just when everyone got excited about Hainola and um, and uh, Gustafson getting their NHL numbers, 14 and 19, uh, Veselainen probably stays at 93, although I really, really, really wish that he takes number 13 um, just for my own, because I really want to like him. <laughs> so I hope that he's good. That's uh, that's all I have to say about that. Um Okay, what else we got here? Buff, Buff and his future. Uh, I mean, there's lots of rumors that are kind of swirling around about this guy. Don't really know um, all all the details. I'm sure nobody does except the, those close to the team. But uh, Carter Brooks, who writes for Game on Mag, had tweeted out the other day that a decision is coming soon. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit on that. That does not seem... I think Carter is uh, kind of getting over his skis a little bit there because, I mean, what was it, two weeks ago we found out that Buff isn't playing? Um, so in two weeks, 
Uh, he's decided on whether he wants to play for the 14 million he's due in the next two years or that, uh, you know, he wants to just hang it up or whatever it is. Right. I mean, sounds like he's dealing with some big decision, you know, in his life and, and considering a bunch of things for whatever reasons that whatever has come up to this point. I mean, it's personal. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we could all pretty much respect that. And if he plays, we'll love it. And if he doesn't, uh, that'll be disappointing and definitely make the team worse. But I don't think a decision about Buff is coming anytime soon. I mean, he didn't play at all in the beauty, the beauty league. He missed half of last season, right? There's rumors about, uh, some of his reasons for missing last season. It feels like if we're, and, and Buff's nature, right? Like the fact that this was left so long feels like we're not getting a decision for a month. I don't know about you, but when I hear that Buff's uh, just who he is and his nature and how, what we know about him and the reluctant captaincy or assistant captaincy, um, I don't think he's going to decide that quick on, on what seems to be a really big decision and probably has some other moving moving parts that are not just him just making a decision. There's family decisions and, and everything there, right? So um, I call bullshit on Connor Bro- or Carter Brooks and his... Uh, his tweet about um, this, and that's not uh, not because I dislike Carter. I just the the math doesn't add up. I don't. Yeah, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But uh, yeah, certainly doesn't seem like it. I don't think we get a decision on Buff until uh, third week, fourth week of October um, at the soon at the earliest, and then we don't see him till you know middle of November. Guy will have to get up to to game speed, right? So hopefully he plays. Uh, would love to see Buff back out there. We all. Love Buff, even with uh, some of his deficiencies in his game, it's uh, it's smoothed way out or uh, smoothed out a lot in the last couple of years. So, um, and obviously with this decor and everything that I just mentioned, uh, he's an upgrade over almost every single player that's not named Josh Morrissey right now. So that's left on this decor. So we'll see we'll see how it plays out, but I'm not expecting a decision soon. Y'all are crazy for thinking that there's something coming uh, sooner than that. Uh, I want to mention other podcasts. I know the Jets Nation. They've uh, those guys. They've gone back into it and recording. I was listening to a little bit of their stuff today. Uh, we don't really see eye to eye on some of the way that the Jets have played the things and what's the good ideas and bad ideas. But uh, do enjoy those uh, those guys. Their personalities. Cody and I had a. He was on the podcast early last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a nice chat, uh, off the record and off air too. So, uh, like him meant to talk to him a couple times when I went out to Portage Prairie to watch, uh, some games, but, uh, just didn't, uh, take an opportunity to, but anyhow, they're back recording. So you should definitely go check them out. Um, I, you know, when it comes to the podcast and other stuff in the city, I think people are more supportive than others think. I think Winnipeg was a very small sandbox as far as media and secondary mainstream media and secondary stream media, which I like to call it, which would be like us and Jets Nation, Arctic Ice and Jets Nation podcast. Um, uh, I think uh, people think that there's maybe uh, a competitiveness. I just see it as expanding the the sandbox. There's tons of overlap. I know lots of people that listen to our show and I know that they listen to Legal Curve and I know that they listen to Jets Nation. And talking about the new podcast, Marat and Ken Weeb at The Athletic are going to be starting a podcast, which comes out today, actually, Thursday, the first day of the uh, Jets season. We're playing against the Rangers. I'm not sure what time it's coming out. I looked on Spotify and did not see it yet. Uh, I sent Marat a, a, a note saying, um, congratulations on the podcast. And so uh, he's a friend of the show. Ken's been on the show, too. We'll have them on again this season. Definitely go check them out. You can't absorb enough information from enough people. Uh, I think it's nearly impossible. So definitely listen to everything that you can about the Jets. Listen to 1290, Hustler and Rick Ralph. They were on the 
uh, on our podcast too. Saw Rick Ralph the other day at a fundraiser and he was really cool. So um, I talked to him a bunch of times. So there, from from our standpoint and my standpoint, there is no competitiveness with this. There is, it's all good. Scott Billick's going to come on the, the podcast at some point uh, too. He's never been on. I know Mike McIntyre is doing some little uh, video clips that he's put out. And Sean Reynolds did one the other day, too. A little bit shaky with the the hand as he's holding the phone but uh, at the rink. But uh, Sean is a friend, too, and uh, had a nice chat with him. So I'm supportive of everybody absorbing as much info as possible. That's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, you should definitely go check out everyone. And uh, turn them on to us, too, like everybody else that you know. I think we just added a little bit of different flair. I think we're the one podcast, I'll say it this way, that I think is a fan-run podcast because everyone else is either mainstream media and even the the Jets Nation podcast guys. I think Cody is a professional radio guy. He works out in Portsmouth Prairie. I think they are definitely um, trying to be more uh, objective and not... Uh, uh, swear as much or tear down Maurice as much or anything like that. So it tends to be a bit more positive. But uh, besides them, I think we're the only one that's doing like the fan thing. Um, but everybody else is uh, brings a different flair to it. So anyhow, check them out. I'm not going to jabber on more about that. I uh, did want to say something about line A, uh, the lineups tonight. I mean, Ehlers on that top line and Shifley and Wheeler, when people say, oh, I'm really excited about that line, uh, they should be really good. I don't know why people even bother saying that because literally that's, three of the best forwards on the team all in the same line. This is not surprising. It's not shocking. That line better be good. That line better be our most productive line. Uh, my issue, though, is once you get down to that second line with Connor and Line, uh, with Cop, I know a lot of people want a Cop on the second line. Uh, I'm okay with that. But the problem with that line is that I th- see just on, at the most simplest form is Line is probably the best passer on that line, but he's also the best shooter. And that's not trying to take things away from Cop and uh and Connor but I mean Liney when he's super effective on the power play uh if he's getting fed by Wheeler cross cross ice who's uh you know saucing it over guys sticks and through their legs there's something super dynamic about that and uh for a pure shooter to have somebody to get him the puck in the most effective way um that seems to be lacking in that line I think and not that I want uh Liney with uh Wheeler but I think Shifley's also an amazing passer and more dynamic than Connor or Cop is at, at passing. Uh, the defensive play of that line obviously is increased by having uh, Cop there instead of um, uh, Little. But I think that you're 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 kind of trading deficiencies one for another. So that line, I mean, the first line, yes, they better be good. That's not not a thing. That second line, this is why. You know, uh, Line said he didn't want to basically be with Brian Little. He wanted to be with Shifley. He didn't even say he wanted to be with Wheeler. Uh, He didn't say Shifley, but he wanted to be with the best center. I don't think he really cares about his other wingers so much. Um, I think, and some people saw that as arrogance. I would say there's maybe a bit of humility, knowing that he's kind of limited on being a shooter, that uh, if he can't get someone to get him the the puck, I mean, he's being honest about it. So Line should be with Shifley. End of story. I don't really care who the other winger is. Uh, Pro is probably the best one for spreading out the talent because then you can take Connor and Ehlers and and uh, Shifley or um, sorry Wheeler and pass them pass them on to other lines and make those other lines a bit stronger. So yeah, the the second line I'm I'm not a big fan. Perot and uh, Lowry obviously that's you know not not bad. Bork though I yeah whatever to that and then the final line Appleton and Rosovic. I mean Appleton is where he deserves to be on the fourth line. He does it not bad, uh, but Roslovic should definitely be up the lineup. Just swap him and Bork at least. And then uh, who is it? The uh, Latestu, I guess, is very replaceable. And Gustafsson should be in over 
Bork or Latestu. So we'll see what happens over the games here. But this uh, first lineup uh, is doesn't um, excite too much. Never mind. I haven't even got to the D. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't even want to talk about the D anymore. I've talked about the D enough. Enough D. You don't need any more D from me. There you go. Uh, that 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 D lineup though is is looking pretty shaky. I know that there's some injuries um, and some absence absences in Buff Bolu and uh, Niku. Um, but uh, the, missing two of those guys that would likely be in the lineup for sure um, for it to drop off as much as it has seems like a managerial problem. So uh, definitely not excited about that. But like Tony said, what I read about uh, what what Tony mentioned, hopefully the Jets, their style is going to suit the the lack of talent and size and whatever that they, that the defici- deficiencies they have now. So we'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed, right? Uh, not, I'm not certainly not writing off the season. I actually think there's a, a lot to be hopeful for, but, uh, only when things are optimized. I mean, if you could take the best, just play only your best players and put them in the best combinations possible and find the best system that is for those people. Uh, you know, uh, I'm okay with saying the jets finish. Mm, let's see. I said fifth in their, their, their division. Let's say third. Yeah, sure. Bump them up to third. But uh, right now, out of the gates, we're definitely not playing our best lines together. And with the absence of um, Gustafson, I'd say we're not even playing our best players. So uh, it sounds so negative, but I mean, I don't know how you all don't see it. There's, there, there, there's something, something there. So um, now the last, I think it's the last thing. I got to double check my notes here. But the CBA extension, it was extended for three years. That's great. I pose the, the idea that I wonder if in three years that the owners aren't going to want some sort of guarantees with the the CBA that limit what happened this year with these RFAs waiting so long. Um, Tony suggested that they just have a hard and fast date that says training camp starts on whatever, September 10th for everybody. All contracts have to be signed by that that point, um, which is good. Uh, I, I like that idea. I think something that pressures sides that are dragging their feet a little bit more should be added as well. I talked about, and I know this would be super controversial, adding or subtracting RFA years if it seems like one side is really dragging their feet. I mean, automatic arbitration. We, we saw what arbitration looked like for COP. The guy literally just averaged out the numbers of uh, be, between the two sides. So an arbitrator that sort of sets the standard um, for these these ones to go on and, and maybe make everything four years. Uh, every every awarded contract is going to be four years. That takes players right to the end of UFA if they've sir, you know uh, given up. Uh, they're coming off ELCs, so right away there's pressure on the team that they know they're walking them right to UFA if they can't get a better contract than a four year. Uh, but then that also gives the team four years, so the player uh, a bit of certainty as well. So give everybody automatic four years, and then average the difference between the the team and the. The player, or at least um, maybe arbitrator sets an amount in, uh, of uh, dollars and years. And uh, basically the final contract between the player and the team can only vary, you know, one million from the number, from the dollars and one year from the, the years, right, for the term. I mean, again, I, I don't actually have the answer for this. I'm just suggesting that I could see as owners that say if this happens again next year with a bunch of high-end RFAs, wait and wait and miss all of training camp, um, that they're not going to try and find some kind of guarantees in that. So that doesn't happen. Some sort of mechanism uh, similar to, you know, the way that they have escrow to make sure that the the payments are 50-50, right? So I just think that there'll be something. 
just trying to throw out a couple ideas of uh, of what they could do. So we'll see. Arbitrator sets it before automatic arbitration by a certain date, set a date that they have to be done, adding, subtracting RFA years. I know not everybody's interested in this stuff. I love this stuff. I love it. I don't know anything about it, though. I'm an idiot. So I'm not going to pretend I know. Just that I had a couple creative ideas about it. Anyhow, I think that might be it. I'm just going to double check over my notes here, and I'm going to come back with either some sort of, uh, you know, uh, exit uh, outro and maybe add one or two more points, or I'm going to come back with a whole other slew of things. But I think that pretty much wraps up um, this season. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully it's a good season. Anyhow, okay, here, going to double check the notes, come back to you with an outro. All right, there was one or two more little things I was going to say. So uh, the Jets, they didn't announce it, at least I didn't see, but uh, they are going to be wearing the Aviator jerseys 11 times this month. So there was somebody who told me that they're going to definitely be wearing them a lot. Uh, They were right, 11 times, or sorry, not this month, this year. And they're going to be wearing their um, Heritage Classic jerseys three times. So again, like I said last podcast, I do not understand why they're making us have so much Aviator and so less Heritage but there was a gentleman, his name is, uh, let's see, Greg Stewart here. He had tweeted, I'm sure they would like to have their own tradition. The aviator jerseys match with the colors they've done throughout the concourse and the new paint in the city place entrance. They're carving their own history at the same time as honoring the past. And I thought that was probably the strongest argument for ever talking about the aviators. I was not a fan of it. We came out with uh, with the help of uh, Shark Mifley. Um, the, I, I, I'm not sure if you all are on Twitter, but saw our heritage color... Heritage Aviators, basically the Aviator jersey, but just change it to Heritage Classic colors. Uh, it actually looked pretty, pretty cool. Some people really loved it. Some people hated it, but I mean, every jersey is always there's going to be that. But for the most part, I think got a lot of likes. But I thought that was a pretty good argument for um, uh, just sort of the Aviator and that going forward. That the team, I mean, we all know that Chipman didn't even want to name the team the Jets. So considering that. Um, they've actually done a pretty good job of honoring the past and everything, while at the same time obviously trying to do their 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 own thing here a little bit. So again, not being a fan of the aviators, but when I kind of see that and uh, and as an organization trying to find your way into to this a little bit, I think it's actually not that bad. At Eleven times is probably a bit excessive, but I mean the heritage. Maybe we can see those five and maybe the avi- aviators seven. Let's say. That's 12. What are they at right now? They're going to be at 14. So whatever. Fudge the numbers a bit. 7 and 7. Or maybe 5 and 8. I don't know. 5 and 8 doesn't add up. Anyhow, um, just I thought that was kind of um, a a good point and kind of made me soften a little bit on the aviators. I know they've grown a lot of other people and some people hate talking about jerseys, but uh, there's that. Uh, This was the other thing I want to mention, though. Sean Tierney, um, charting hockey, he compiled all of the predictions of um let's see it was a uh, dom from the athletic uh, evolving wild twins out of minnesota ineffective math which is mike mccurdy uh, moneypuck.com which actually is not a gambling site uh, by the way himself uh, sports betting which is a gambling site and then usa today which i don't really think of them as being a great source and then i know that he added afterwards um uh, i think it was many elk uh, added their predictions and so he kind of added them and averaged them all out and with that, uh, he bas- they basically had the Jets at, let's say, uh, 90, uh, 94, 95 points. Had them uh, basically 16th in the league. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. About 16th. So, again, puts them in a, a wild card spot. So, this is a whole bunch of other people with a bunch of information 
uh, and and looking at the numbers and trying to crunch them and everything. And and for the Jets, there wasn't that many outliers. Honestly, they all kind of revolved around that ninety one to ninety five point range. So a lot of smart people thinking that the Jets are going to be about a sixteen seed. Uh, obviously, some great goaltending and some uh, you know optimizing of lineups could could change that. But just thought I'd point that out. So if you want to see that, check out Charting Hockey. Uh, or I don't know if it's chartinghockey.com if there is an actual website or not, but um, you can you can check that out to to see uh, exactly that for your yourself. Um, and I think I think that's it. Oh, I I know I, I, we were gonna do a fantasy hockey league. Everybody who's involved with the podcast, none of them actually do fantasy hockey. I'm probably the one most experienced with it, and I haven't done it for a number of years. I'm not a big fantasy hockey guy, but I think it'd be pretty fun if we can throw something together next year with 20 or 30 people and, uh, you know, try and put some good prizes out there, maybe 20 bucks each, and give away a couple jerseys and a couple hundred bucks or some tickets or, or whatnot and kind of blow it up a little bit. So if you're listening to this and you're from some other media, don't steal the damn idea because uh, you're not doing it. Although TSN 1290, Hustler and those guys, I think they usually do something something like this. Uh, I know that for sure they do with the college basketball. So, um, And then one thing I was going to, oh, I mean, I keep saying one thing, one thing. There's always another thing, right? If Bufflin comes back, uh, seemed like a reluctant captain, I think he gives up the A. Just everyone was worried it was going to get taken from him or that Josh Morrissey stole it. Um, nobody said it that way, but whatever. Um, I think Bufflin just says, you know, you got enough captains. I, I don't need, you don't need me to be quote unquote, an assistant captain. So anyhow, that's it. Um, there's so many other little stories and whatnot I can talk about, but I'm not going to, I'm going to shut up and make this uh, not longer than it has to be. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Tell other people to come back and listen next time. I promise won't be just me. In fact, uh, they're supposed to be doing an interview on Sunday and you'll have to check back to see who it was with. Uh, could be some interesting stuff there. Um, hopefully it's some interesting stuff and a couple other interviews on the go. Jeez. Uh, yeah, there's too much on the go. It's hard to actually get things done when there's too many things. Okay. That's it. Let's shut her down. Go Jets. Go enjoy the game tonight. Here we go. I'm Kurt Kielbach and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.